0: The riot. Hopefully, you got something out of that series. Uh, we talked about we talked about silencing the voices that destroy us. Um, so that series was all about shutting things up, right? Um, shutting the voices that try to destroy our lives. If you weren't here during any of those talks, I'd encourage you to go online and listen to them. Um, we talked about several different things. We pulled out some voices out of the crowd, if you will, and we brought them up here and we shut them up, right? Everyone say shut up. We just took him up here and and we just said, no, you're not going to dominate my life. You're not going to destroy my life. We talked about lying. We talked about um, different things like us lying to ourselves, lying to others, the voices that others lied to us about, some of the things that were said about us that hurt and messed us up. We talked about sowing discord, Um, some of those voices that when we sow discord, how they can destroy our lives. We talked about gossip. How many of you know that's a bad, bad deal right there? Gossip. When we talk ugly about others, uh, we talked about excessive complaining um, and how it hardwires our brain to complain more and how that takes us into a negative downward spiral. Um, we talked about just sort of uh, slander and then tailbearing and blaspheming. We talked about filthy language, um, contentious speech. We talked about negativity and uh, criticism. So those are some of the voices that we pull out of the crowd and said, no, you can't destroy my life. You can't do that. And one of the ways that we found out how to stop negative talk is to actually have positive talk. In other words, what goes in must what? Come Come out. If you want to change your output. Change your input because the Bible even tells us out of the abundance of the heart the mouth is going to speak. And so we talked a little bit about that. So now that we've learned how to quiet the riot, I want to turn the corner, if you will, and learn how to tune in and turn up the voice of God, okay? I'm not talking about that weird, crazy, you know, God told me to do this. How many of you know God's been blamed for a lot of things in this world? I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about getting weird and crazy, you know, where God tells you everything. It's just God said, God said, God said, okay? I'm talking about the legitimate, authentic voice of God here, okay? And so how many of you have ever seen The, the Voice? Yeah, on TV. I, I'm not a big fan. Vicki and I really never quite got into it, but we watched a portion um, of it. Check this out, The Voice. Yeah, you've probably all seen that on your television. And, you know, during, from what I understand, during the auditions, uh, the participants sing without the judges watching or seeing. Is that correct? Am I I good so far? Okay, so. And the goal, the goal is to get the judge, or a judge, to turn around before they see you based on what? Your voice, right? And so... I want to I talk to you in this series about the voice, everyone see, say the voice, talk about the voice, I want to talk about God's voice, because here's the deal, when God speaks, not only do chairs turn, but all of creation listens, amen? Yeah, and so during, during this series, we're going to talk about really how to know God's will, and how to hear His voice. I'm thinking four different weeks we'll talk about this, um, and I think, I think we'll do that. But I just wanna talk about how to know God's will. Is anyone interested in that at all? How to actually discern and know, and some of the parameters, some of the things you need to know about, about knowing God's will and how to hear His voice. Um, there's a verse in the Bible, it's not in your notes, uh, It's over in Hebrews, chapter 12 and verse 25, that says this, see to it that you do not refuse Him, talking about God, who what? Who still speaks. How many of you believe He still speaks today? He still speaks to our lives. And, and, And you'll hear me challenge you, if you've ever, you know, met with me for counsel, you hear me challenge you to pray and hear God's voice. Pray and seek God's voice. Pray and seek God, even... Um, uh, Paul and Brenda, you know, when they were thinking about moving, the thing that I told them was, I want you to hear from heaven. See, I want you to pray and discern the will of God. I want you to just pray and hear God's voice. Make sure it's Him, right? Um, and you know, I've told all of you this, that you've met with me. Here, make sure it's Him because you don't want what you want. Do you hear me? You don't want what you want. Some of you are saying, sitting there going, yes, I do. <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> no, you don't want what you want. See, back in the Old Testament, you know, the children of Israel cried out for a king because everyone else had a king, right? And they got their king, and they paid dearly for it. And sometimes we're so bent on our will that we want what we want, and then, and then we have consequences to deal with because every decision we make has consequences attached to it, sometimes good, sometimes bad. But God wants to teach us how to hear His voice and how to know His will. So let's first start talking to, this morning um, about knowing God's will, okay? Then we'll eventually get to hearing God's voice. But today, today I want to talk about knowing God's will. Uh, look at 1 John with me in your Bibles. If you have your Bible app um, or your notes, maybe look at 1 John chapter 5. And this is an interesting verse because it's a foundational verse. And so, here's what it says, it says, this is the, everyone say that word with me, the what? The confidence, and you may want to underline that in your Bible or in your notes or highlight it in your app. This is the confidence that we have in approaching God. How many of you know you and I can have confidence when we approach God? This is the confidence that we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything, and then this next few words is powerful, according to His will. If we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. How many of you are glad for that? That's why we can have confidence, right? He hears us, and we know if He hears us, whatever we've asked, we know that we have whatever we've asked. So the question is what is god's will if we can have confidence in approaching god that we know that if we ask anything according to his what will we have whatever we've asked of him isn't it true isn't it true that life is filled with a bunch of crossroads (laughs) and decisions that we have to make isn't it true i mean how do we know what god's will is for our lives i mean You know, if you're like me, you've asked questions growing up like, uh, do I play football or baseball? Uh, Maybe band or choir for some of us. Uh, Then then as you get older, college or work, right? Do I go to college or, or do I just go work, start working? If it's college, which college? You know, do I major in this or major in that? And some of you have asked that question recently. Do I stay here or do I move there, right? You know, here's a big one. Do I marry her or not? <laughs> For some. Um, should we have kids now or should we wait? Do we have two kids or do we have five kids, right? We keep asking these, deci- these, these decisions that we have before us. Should I buy a house or should I rent? Should I join this church or maybe should I stay at that church? Uh, Or another question is, is do do we get a dog or do we get a cat? Well, let me just establish it for you right now. It's always God's will for you to get a dog and not a cat. (laughs) Ah, Sorry, Tracy. Are you a cat lover? Somebody's a cat lover in here. I know that. Just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. Don't get mad at me now. Tune me out. But there are different methods of, of determining God's will, Right? I mean, some do the pros and cons, you know, on one side. They put, you know, these are the pros, these are the cons. And if the pros outweigh the cons, then, then you make that decision. You know, that's one way. Others try the fleece method, you know, the whole Gideon thing. You know, so the fleece method is, if I'm supposed to marry her, then let the light turn green, right? <laughs> or, or you know, if I'm supposed to go to this college, then let it not rain tomorrow, kind of a thing. You know? I tried the, I tried the fleece method one time with... Krispy Kremes. Anyone ever heard of Krispy Kremes? Yeah. yeah, it'll change your life. It's like slap your mama good, right? So, so, yeah, Krispy Kremes, when I first was exposed to them in St. Louis, Missouri, um, you know, I, I tried, I, I, used to, I used to go when the sign said what? Hot now, right? No, hot, right? And so when the sign was say, then, so I prayed and I said, Lord, if it's your will for me to go in there and slam down half a dozen, then let there be a parking spot right in front of the door. After my 10th time around, there was a parking spot right in front of the door. <laughs> yeah, the fleece method, right? I mean, is, is God's will so specific that you can mess it up for the rest of your life? I mean, is there a chain reaction and everything in the universe gets messed up if you made one mistake? I mean, some singles wonder... Most about marriage, right? Is there only one person out there for me? And if I get the wrong person, does that mess it up for everybody? (laughs) Just kind of a chain reaction, you know? Everyone gets the wrong person now. Today, we're gonna build a foundation on how to know God's will. How many of you have ever played the game of golf, or at least heard of it or watched it? Let me see your hands. Most of you in here. Okay, so golf. I was gonna bring my golf clubs this morning and illustrate some things. Uh, I was going to ask David if he would back there. He's a big golfer and I know Doug is as well. But if you've ever played the game of golf, you know that there's a fairway, okay? There's a fairway and on each side of the fairway, you have the rough or some hazards out there, okay? Sometimes it could be water or, or tall grass or sand. But the goal, the goal when you play this game called golf is to keep it in the fairway, right? How many of you know what I'm talking about? Now, I know it eludes most of us right, when we play, but it's just so much easier to play the game when the ball's in the fairway. And so I want to sort of use that as an illustration, if you will, for God's will, knowing God's will, sort of the parameters, if you will. See, God's will is kind of in a zone, all right? And like a, like, like a golf fairway, There are two boundaries, one on one side and one on the other. And the first side, in order to really know the will of God, you have to understand the sovereign will of God, okay? If you're taking notes, that's the missing blank there. The sovereign will of God is one side. Sovereign simply means the sort of the independent or supreme, the all-knowing, right? Supreme will of God. And so you need to know the sovereign will of God or, or literally what God is doing on the earth, okay? You need to know those things. See, God's will for your life will be right in the middle of what He's already doing, the this, this sort of the sovereign will of God, of what God is just doing sovereignly. And what, what do I mean by that? So, sovereignly, we could just say this that He came and He's coming back, regardless of what you do, right? That's, the so, that's sort of the sovereign will of God. He, he's gonna do it because He just decided He's doing it, right? That's the sovereign will of God. The other side of the fairway is what we call the moral will of God. The moral will of God. And we could say, we could say the moral will of God is what God has already said in his what? His word. This, this thing called the Bible. That's the moral will of God. I mean, he's not going to tell us to do something that's outside of his word. That's sort of the other side. You've got the, the, the sovereign will of God, the moral will of God. So, example, if you're praying whether you should sleep with your girlfriend that you're not married to, you know, and you're praying about whether you should do it, how many of you know, don't do it. It's already there. <laughs> Read the Bible. It'll tell you some basics of what you can do and what you can't do. Just don't do it. Don't, you don't need to pray about what is already revealed in His Word. How many of you realize that? You don't need to pray about what is already revealed in His Word. And some are asking for new information. Often, sometimes we, God, show me something new. Show me something different. And what we really need to be doing is to work on what we already know, what's already said, what's already written in God's Word. I like this quote, you will never know the personal will of God until you commit to walking in the moral will of God or what is already written say. So those are the two boundaries, and somewhere, somewhere in between those two boundaries, in the middle of the fairway, is the personal will of God. That's the third thing, fill in the blank there, the personal will of God, or, or literally what God desires for my life. What God desires for my life. God, God has some very specific things for you and I to do. Isn't that cool to know that God The creator of the universe, the sovereign God, the the supreme God, literally has some very specific things in your life for you to do. He created you with a mission, right? He has a plan for you. And Psalm 139 um, says this, says, you saw me, and there's that word, me, it would be great if you could just sort of circle that word, me, and then right above it, either in your Bible or your notes, write your name. Just write your name. How many of you think we ought to be able to write stuff in our Bibles? And if you if you don't, just get you put that one on a shrine and get you one you can write in, right? All right, so but you saw me, you could say like this God, you saw Glenn before I was even born. You saw me. Wow, how personal. And every day of Glenn's life was recorded in my in your book. And every moment was laid out before a single day was passed or has passed. Wow. Think about that. God has plans for you. Did you hear me? I said, God has plans for you. I mean, God has the unique ability to take our mistakes. How many of you know you've made some mistakes? And maybe you haven't fulfilled God's plan for your life in some ways. And you've, you've messed up or you missed his will. God has the ability to actually take our mistakes that we've added to his book, so to speak, and he can make them actually work for our good. <laughs> Come on, somebody. Check this verse out in Romans 8:28. God can make them work for our good, and we know that God causes what? Everything to work together for our good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. All right, here's another key thought. The more I get to know the sovereign will of God, And the moral will of God, the better I will discern, what, the personal will of God. See, that's why it's important for us to live our lives in the middle of the fairway. And like the game of golf, when I get off the fairway into the sort of the high grass or hazards, it's much more difficult to navigate through life's decisions. It's not as easy. So if the sovereign will of God and the moral will of God are important, let's ask ourselves two simple questions. Here we go, they're in your notes. First, what am I doing that I should not be doing? I you mean, think that's a pretty good, pretty good question to ask? What am I doing that I should not be doing in my life? What, what is there that I'm involved with, perhaps that maybe I need to change? In other words, what area of my life is outside of the moral will of God? What area of my life is outside of what is written? Say, because if I'm living outside of the lines Oftentimes, kind of like the video we saw that opened the service, oftentimes it's hard to hear God's voice. It's hard to discern God's will. Some say, well, it doesn't matter. I mean, God will forgive me. Well, sure he will. But Romans says, shall we go on sinning? No. That God's grace may increase by no means. We died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? so if you if you want to know god 's will and hear god 's voice, and how many of you out there want to let me see your hands, then you need to know God is calling us to holiness to his moral will to live according to his word right god 's calling us to do that, which literally means that that we get rid of some of the junk in our trunk, <laughs> we get rid of some of the drunk junk in our lives and come back to that place that that we call. You know, old fashioned word, holiness, um, so God can begin to work in our life again. I mean, so the second question is not just the moral of God, but how about the sovereign will? What am I doing? What am I doing that I should? What am I not doing that I should be doing? In other words, not just simply what am I doing that I shouldn't be doing, but what am I not doing that I should be doing? In other words, what, what has God said? What do I need to do? What, what does God want me to do? You know, am I doing my own thing? Have I turned, you know, to my own will? Have I tuned God out? And I think that's a very, very important question. Because God doesn't have a plan for your life that's outside of what He's already doing on the earth. And we have two different types of sin in our lives. We have the sin of omission, and we have the sin of commission, Right? The sin of omission is really, you know, not doing what I know to do. And the sin of commission is, is really what I knowingly did wrong, right? And I knew it, but I did it anyway. And we have both of those things working in our life. And James chapter 4, verse 17 says, anyone then who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it sins. In other words, God wants us, God wants us to do what we know to do. And too many times we say this, you know, that that what, what I'm doing, God, I want you to bless it. I want you in on this, rather than saying, God, you know, here's my life, I pray that you'll lead me and then bless it, right? Come on, everybody. God never intended for him to move to what we're doing. He wants us to move to what he's doing, say. Big difference. And when you and when you do that, life is going to make more sense. And for some of us, God has been trying to get our attention for a long, long time, and we've just simply been outside of the lines. We've been in the rough. We've been in the fairway. We've been out of bounds, so to speak. And we're wondering why we're so confused, and we're wondering why maybe, perhaps, we feel lost. And we're looking for some answers, but they're not going to come until we decide to get back in the zone, get back in the middle get back into what God's doing, get back into sort of the moral side of God or what he has already said in his word. So the question is this morning, how do I get back in the zone? Maybe you find yourself outside of the zone. Maybe, maybe you're in the water, maybe you're in the sand, maybe you're in the tall grass, right? How do I get back in the fairway, so to speak? Let me give you four practical ways to do that. Um, listen, here's the deal. Life is never going to make sense until you really get back inside the lines, until you really get back inside of what God's saying. Now, two of these things that I'm going to give you will show you how to get back in God's moral will, and two of these things I'm going to give you will help you get back in God's sovereign will. First, first, if you're going to get back in play, and how many of you know sometimes you just got to punch it out? <laughs> if you've ever played the game of golf, you know, you're in the, in the trees somewhere, Sometimes you got to punch it out, just get back in the fairway. And so this is one of those things that's a basic one, but you got to give your life to God. You got to give your life to God. Now, this applies to two different levels. Some of you say, well, yeah, I got, I got, I gave my life to God back 50 years ago, right? You got to give your life back to God. Now, You know, for those of you, you know, that are not a Christian, you need to surrender your life to the Lord and and, and ask Jesus Christ to become your Lord and Savior. How many of you know that? If you're not, listen, if you're not a Christian, you're lost, and you need to surrender your life to the Lord, right? Matthew 18, 14 says, in the same way, your Father in heaven is not willing that any of these little ones should be lost. God doesn't want you to be lost. Did you hear me? He doesn't want you to be lost. He wants you in his family. So give your life to God. See, if if you're lost today, just surrender your life to him and say, Jesus, be the Lord of my life. I believe that, Jesus, you died on a cross, and you've been raised from the dead for my life. Just surrender your life to him. But the second level of giving your life to God is some of you here are Christians. You're saved, but you're not living for him. You're simply not living for him. You're you're what we may call part-timers. In other words, you know, you live for God on Sundays or some days, we could say, but but, you know, you live for yourself in the world the rest of the week. But here's the deal, I challenge you this morning to give your life to God and give it to him all week for the rest of your life. Don't be a (laughs) part-timer. If you want to really understand the will of God for your life, you got to get back in the fairway, get back in the middle, get back back to where you're surrendered to Him and you're on fire for Him and excited that He's in your life. See, as I said before, by our actions and lifestyles, oftentimes we're saying, Lord, not your will, but my will. When we should be saying, God, not my will, but your will be done in my life. 1 Peter 4, 2 says, as a result, he does not live the rest of his earthly life for human, de- human desires, but rather for the will of God. Can you say that? Can you say that today, that you're living your life for the kingdom? Are you living your life for the will of God, but rather for the will of God? You're not living your life for, for evil human desires, but for the will of God? That's the first first way to sort of get back in the fairway. The second way is to allow God to transform you. Everyone say transform. Allow God to transform you. In other words, in other words, don't stop at salvation. Let God change you. Let God change you. Listen, when all of us came to Christ, you know we changed. Some things change, but others take time. How many of you know that? You know, God's still working out the rough edges. God's still working on some of those things, if you will. Let God transform you. It's an interesting word. Sometimes we use the word sanctification. That's another interesting word, one that we don't use a lot today. But sanctification simply means to be set apart For a purpose, for a holy purpose, and and as you as you grow in God and renew your mind to His Word and His ways, you become sanctified. You became you become set apart. You become holy, if you will. And when you get rid of some of the distractions of the world, you can hear God's voice better. How many of you know what I'm talking about? That's why it's important to go away sometimes and just to get by yourself and get away get away from some of the distractions and. Just sit. Vicki and I had a couple of days this past week where when we were finished with all the ministry at the church I was at, we were able to just sit and look at the water and think about God and and get rid of some of the distractions so we can hear His voice just a little bit better. Romans chapter 12 tells us a little bit about this thing called transformation. It says, don't be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world, but be what? Transformed. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you'll be able to test and to prove what God's will is, his good and his pleasing and his perfect will of God for your life. Listen, God God wants to transform you. Are you here this morning? God wants to change us. God doesn't want us to stay the same for the rest of our lives. Some of us are dealing with things that, that we had dealt with before we came became Christians. And God's saying, I want to change that. I want to help you. I want to deal with, I want to show you a better way. I want to I want to work out those things that are going on in your life. See, when you get rid of some of that junk in your life and you make the necessary changes, you can hear God's voice just a little bit better. And some of you are saying, Glenn, how do I do that? I I, I found out for me, it helps for me to get connected and build life-giving relationships to come to church and grow and literally to read the Bible and pray every day, spend time with Him. I won't say read the Bible and pray every day. There was an old children's church song back in the years. It said, Breed, Joel, Ba, Boop. Does anyone remember that? It was just me. huh? Breed, help me now. Read your Bible, pray every day, and you grow, grow, grow. I know you guys think I'm crazy. That's all right. I just want you to get it. Just read your Bible, pray every day, get connected, come to church and grow. Build build the life that's centered on Christ. Let God transform you. Amen? Do you want to know God's will for your life? So you have to cooperate and do your part so God can do his. And 1 Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3 says this. It is God's will. How many of you want to know God's will for your life? Oh, here's part of it right here. It is God's will that you should be what? Let's all say it together. What? That you should be sanctified. Set apart, in other words. Yeah, that that you should avoid sexual immorality, that each of you should learn how to control his body in a way that's honorable to the Lord. That's that's part of God's will for your life, that you live holy. Come on. (laughs) You're transformed, right? You're changed. The word sanctified in the Greek is hagios, literally means to be called out or set apart or to come out. And some of us need to come out of the junk that's in our lives. Some of us need to come out of some stuff. Amen? We need to come out of some stuff to be sanctified. Some of us need to come out of a relationship or an activity that we're involved with or a mindset, perhaps, that we have bought into. We need to come out of it. Not that this is not a heaven issue, whether you're going to go to heaven. But here's the deal. Earth isn't working out real well for you right now. God wants you to come out of it, Right? This is the will of God that we be saved and transformed. So we got saved and now we got transformed. Number 3, number thir- 3, the third thing that deals with the sovereign will of God is to develop the gifts and callings in your life. To develop your gifts and callings. Why? Because God doesn't have a plan for your life outside of what he's already doing. And he wants you to develop the gifts and the calling that he has for you. Some of you say, well, I'm not called to be a preacher. Paul says. He calls me the preacher. Um, I'm not. No, listen, you are called. Amen? You are called. God has a calling for your life. You've called, you're anointed, and you're appointed for such a time as this. Right now, right here, God has a call for you. Every single one of us in this room, God has a call for us. God has something for you to do. Shut your eyes for just a minute and say, God has something for me to do in your your mind. Just think about it. God has something for you to do and your life will never make sense, complete sense, until you find your purpose. Until you find your purpose. Everything else in life makes sense when you find your unique gifts and your unique calling. That's why we have this thing called discovery class. We, we just had it this morning, as a matter of fact. Matt taught it, and we've, the whole thing is about finding your strengths and weakness, finding your call, finding your gift, finding out what God has deposited on the inside of you so you can locate it, so you can actually employ the gifts, talents, and abilities that God has given to you. Find that. Use that. It'll help you uncover, and we're going to do it again sometime later this summer. When we do it, get in it so you can find and discover your unique calling and gifts. Ephesians 2.10 says, God has something for us. As a matter of fact, for we are God's what? Workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. God created you with a specific design for a specific purpose. And here's what I found out. Your design reveals your destiny. Your design reveals your destiny. And the fourth way that you can get back in between the lines and get back in the fairway so you can hear God's voice and know his will is give you, simply give your life for others. Give your life for others. This is ultimately the reason that God created us. 1 Peter tells us, chapter 4, verse 10, each one of you should use whatever gift, there it is, whatever gift he's received to do what? Help me now. To do what? To serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. God has given us his gifts. God has given us his calling so that we can use them not to serve ourselves, but to serve others. And here's the deal, you'll never be closer to God and the will of God for your life than when you're making a difference in the lives of others. I can't tell you, when I'm doing something to serve others, whether it's speaking or preaching or teaching or helping in physical ways, I never feel more closer to the will of God than when I'm doing those things. And I think the, the last verse that we'll look at today is in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 18. Here it is. Command, command them to do good and to be what? Rich in, help me now, good deeds and to be generous and willing to share. So, by the Scripture, by the Word of God, the moral compass, if you will, I'm commanding you to do good and to be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to serve. Amen? Encouraging you. In this way, they will lay up treasures for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is what? Truly life. Man, I, I, the happiest people I know are making a difference in other people. Happiest people I know are, are serving and using their gifts. See, do you really want to know God's will for your life? Start between the lines. Start, just start being in the middle of the fairway, the simple fairway to understand and ascertain the will of God, the personal will of God for your life. And we'll find out more in the next couple of weeks about how to do that. This is the basic stuff to get you back in the middle of the fairway. Get to know him personally. Here's the four things summarized in my language. Get to know him personally. Let him get the junk out so you can clearly see. Then you'll discover your unique qualities so you can make a difference in the lives of others. Let's pray. Would you stand with me? God wants us to know his will to be tuned in, to have his voice turned up, for God to speak through his word. Can I challenge you to spend time in his word? And as you do, ask, ask God to speak to you. I don't know if you do this, but when you're reading his word, don't just read it like any other book. But man, when you put this in front of you or your tablet smartphone, See, God, this is your word. Would you speak to me? Would you speak to my heart? Sometimes it's about something that deals with the future. Sometimes sometimes it's about something that deals with the past. Sometimes it's about something you're not doing that you should be doing. Sometimes it's about things you are doing that you shouldn't be doing. God wants to speak to you. See, that's God speaking to you when he shows you his will. When he shows you something that intersects, listen to me now, that intersects your life and his will. And God begins to reveal himself to you and make himself known. And I believe God wants to turn that up and help you tune that in as we talk about how to discover God's will and hear his voice we just shut our eyes for just a minute and pray? You know, if there's an area that I talked about today that you feel challenged, you really feel like you need to do something about, and you're saying, I want you to pray for me, would you slip up your hands? I want to pray for you. God bless you all over the place. Thank you. Thank you so much. This is about God speaking to you because he's written things in his book about you, your, your life. God, I just pray right now for my friends today. I pray, God, that you, as we talk about your will and your word, we talk about knowing your will and hearing your voice, I pray, God, that you would really help us to tune in. Really help us to to go deep, to drill down. To want to know you better. God, I pray for every single person that raised their hand God, only you know what that looks like you only you know what that means to that individual I'm so glad you're a, an individual God you know how to speak to each one of us on an individual basis because you love us so Lord, I'm praying right now that you would meet that person right where they're at whatever that looks like, that you would meet them right where they're at. And Father, that you would help them grow in that particular area and be transformed. For those that are part-timers that seem to serve you really hot some days and not so much other days, God, I pray that you'd help us have consistency in our lives. He'd help us be just be on fire for you all day, every day. Not want any other life. So, we're going to take a couple minutes here in worship, right, but I'm going to ask.